0: By Pearson Harnish but a huge third down you got the game on side yep. on the move down to the 24yard line of Saint Francis who's winning he, he won't the say the score and laid up and waited for the past short drive who's winning close towards the right corner complete to van who steps across the plate
1: ah, say the damn score
2: <laughs> you're listening to the original say the damn score podcast part of the say the damn score podcast Network Here's your host, Logan Anderson.
0: Welcome to episode 93 of the Say the Damn Score podcast. As you just heard the big voice guy say, I'm Logan Anderson, a freelance sportscaster in the Twin Cities metro area. As always, this podcast is dedicated to sportscasting and sharing stories and ways to improve in the business. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other platform for that matter, by clicking on the big red subscribe button on top of com. This is in fact episode 93. We are back on track after I mislabeled the last two weeks in the wrong order. And I'm ready to get back on track and with correct numeric sequencing. This episode will be released on June 20th and on The Saturday following, the 22nd, I'll be on a flight from Minneapolis to North Carolina for the National Sports Media Association Hall of Fame weekend. It's an industry conference where they honor not only the National Hall of Fame winners, who this year are Doc Emmerich, Doris Burke, Peter King, and Tony Kornheiser, but also the state sports writer and sportscaster of the year, And they all gather in North Carolina. It's a fantastic networking opportunity. It's where I've met a ton of people who I've had on this podcast. And it's also a great learning experience. Not only do you have the chance to pick the brains of some of the best broadcasters in the business while they have their guards down over beers or appetizers or whatever you want it to be, but there's also a really good seminar where many of those same people will speak on specific topics, and there's a critique session, a lot of really good stuff that you gain from going to this event. This is the fourth time I've gone to the event, and I have never once regretted it. Part of the event this year will be the Jim Nance Award, which is given to the best collegiate broadcaster in the country. It's put on by STAA, And this year's winner happened to be from the Twin Cities metro area in Plymouth, Minnesota. In fact, he went to Syracuse, but he's originally from here and is back for the summer. And that makes him the second consecutive winner to come from Minnesota. Katie Emmer from last year is now working for Fox Sports North here in the Twin Cities. And she went to school at St. Cloud State. And this year, I'm fortunate enough to talk to Drew Carter, again of Syracuse, a native of Minnesota, and he is this episode's guest on the Say the Damn Score podcast. In this episode, I was actually able to surprise him by setting it up for Katie to drop in and walk up behind him and kind of take over the last five to ten minutes of the conversation just two Nance Award winners having a little conversation. So... I really enjoyed this podcast. I think you'll like it. And without further
2: ado, Drew Carter, how's it going? Oh, it's outstanding, Logan. Thanks for having me. It was great to just make the uh, 18-minute drive from Plymouth, Minnesota here to Eden Prairie. I was telling you earlier, I don't think I had ever been to this area. We had played Eden Prairie in high school sports and everything. They had been a rival, but I had never been here. And as you're driving in off the highway, you see this huge American flag. You know what I'm talking about? No, actually. Oh, my we gosh. we came from the other direction. It's, it's gorgeous. I feel like I'm walking into a military fort when I come to Eden Prairie <laughs> with that huge flag. So it is good to be here with some caribou coffee. Good to be with you, Logan. All right, so let's get right into the Jim Nance Award process because
0: I've talked to a couple people who have done it, so I have an idea how the process goes, but who knows if it stays the same. Did you just turn in your you are real, and then were you dark until the announcement, or was there any kind of process?
2: Yeah, pretty much. So I know Katie told you this kind of similarly last year. She said she didn't really know a whole lot about the award. Uh, for me, being at Syracuse, it's a little bit different because it is kind of like a college sports casting bubble over at Syracuse. There are a lot of people in the industry, so a lot of people go to SU hoping to do sports broadcasting. And so I had actually applied for the award now all four years in a row. My freshman and sophomore year, I didn't even come close to cracking even honorable mention. Last year, I was uh, lucky enough to be top 10 in the country, but they actually misspelled my name on the list. I was Drew Carrer without a T. Pretty simple last name, but somehow it got misspelled. So either Carrer or Car, depending on what your uh, SID says on the pronunciation guide. And then uh, this year, of course, I was lucky enough to win it. But yeah, you don't really know anything. The, the deadline to submit is more than a month before the actual award is announced. So it's kind of a lot of waiting on pins and needles, especially when you know, you're in my position where you're hoping to place pretty well. You did pretty well as a junior, and, and you've got a shot this year. It was really intense. And so about a few days after you submit the award, you have to kind of be like, all right, let's relax. Let's take deep breaths because we've got more than a month to wait here. Because you're really excited after you put it together. It's something you're working the entire year on. Um, and then you wait until the announcement date, and by the time it comes out, pretty much everyone is gone from Syracuse and back home. So... I got the award uh, announcement back in Minnesota, and it was, it was pretty sweet. But, yeah, you're in the dark for more than a month.
0: What is it about this area that apparently is now pumping out sportscasters? <laughs> you know, you're from Plymouth, which is a – got to get my directions right – a northwest suburb, you and you're you what a half hour from Delano, where Katie was right. from last year. Katie Emmer, of course, last year's winner. And so back-to-back winners from about – how far how far apart is that? Yeah, not about half an hour, I would say, maybe a little bit more. So had you bumped into each other through high school, through
2: sportscasting
0: uh, interests? I don't know if there's camps or (laughs) or what the the youth of the nation here in the state of Minnesota would do.
2: Yeah, no, we had never met until uh, last December, which was obviously after she won the award. Um, And I was at a Vikings-Bears game, Week 17. Vikings needed to win to make the playoffs, and they blew it. I'm not sure if you're aware of how that game went down, but it was an embarrassment to be there as a Vikings fan. But that's beside the point, neither here nor there. Uh, Katie was working for Fox being a runner for Aaron Andrews down on the sidelines, which is a pretty sweet gig, um, just six months out of school. And so I was walking around the sidelines, and like I said, at Syracuse people know about the Jim Nance Award, and they know who the winner is, and they're kind of a celebrity for anyone who wants to do this, especially at Syracuse. So I'm walking around the sidelines, and here's Aaron Andrews, here's a bunch of football players, coaches, broadcasters, media people, and my eyes go to KDM, where I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's the reigning Jim Nance Award winner, that's pretty sweet, and she's from Minnesota. So I was a little bit starstruck, and... She might have been able to tell that I was kind of nervous when I went up to, to talk to her. Um, so, But it was pretty cool. I mean, she was super, super nice. We just talked for a few minutes because she was busy. I had to go up, and I was working the game as well. And so we talked for a little bit, and then she gave me a nice phone call after the award came out this year. So I've met her, and I've known her for about six months or so, but we'd never crossed paths before that being in Minnesota. Okay. Was there
0: activities or a student program, uh, AV club or something at uh, your high school that allowed you to – to develop this
2: interest at such a young age? A little bit. So I actually got to Syracuse and wanted to be a sports writer because I had written for my high school newspaper, the Trojan Tribune, shout out out Wyzetta High School, as a sports guy. And I had my own column and everything. I convinced our sports editor to let me do swooping and hooping with Drew, uh, throwing a little Clyde Frazier uh, euphemism in there. So I, I did a sports column. I wanted to be a writer when I got to Syracuse. And then I applied to the journalism school, which is the Newhouse School of Public Communications and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a writer or some sort of sports media personality. But actually, my mom said, what What do you want your major to be? I'm like, I don't care. I got into Newhouse. I just want to be there. I don't care what my major is. She said, well, the broadcast journalism program has some pretty good reviews online. It seems like that's what most people who are serious about this do. Uh, so I, I went into the BDJ program and then... I met the guy who was a sports director at WAER, who's the, which is a student run radio station, actually an NPR station with a student run sports department named Jay Alter. He told me, you got to come to our general interest meeting, went to the radio interest meeting. And from that point forward, I wanted to do broadcasting. But in high school, um, like I said, I wrote for the newspaper, but we had the show called Newsbreak. So the most broadcasting experience I ever had before college was literally just reading the announcements on our, news show every morning um, and i was so bad at it like if i if i find i can send you something from even when i was in college which is just god awful for my freshman year it's so bad but even worse was when in, in high school i had no idea what i was doing so it was the most boring announcements read you could ever imagine on our, <laughs> our news break show so that's basically the extent of my experience in high school
0: you'd be surprised how many people say they got their start in broadcasting doing the announcements <laughs> in yeah, high school right. there's been quite a few Making the decision to go to Syracuse from Minnesota. That's, I mean, obviously a well-known broadcasting factory. We've had a ton of guests here from Syracuse, and we've talked a lot about it to the point where it's hard to find new angles and different ways to yeah. talk about it without getting the same answer. But most of them are East Coast guys right? from New Jersey and Philadelphia Boston's and, and that Boston. Yeah. Not a whole lot of them from Minnesota. I've, right. I think the farthest away that I've talked to anyone from was Paul Leffler came from California. Okay. But what was the decision process into picking Syracuse?
2: Well, you probably heard this one before as well, but you see the alumni who have come out of Syracuse, and it's like, that's where I want to be. If, if I want to do anything in sports, if you do any online research, I mean, it's really simple. You just Google best journalism school, and bang, Syracuse is near the top of the list or at the top of the list for every website you find. So there's that. There's the alumni factor with guys like Bob Costas, Ian Eagle, Marv Albert, Dick Stockton, the list goes on and on. And then I toured with my dad when I was a junior in high school for spring break. We did an East Coast, I guess, journey up and down. So we started at Boston University. We went all the way down the East Coast, ended up at VCU and Richmond University. Then we checked out Elon in North Carolina as well. So while everyone was posting Instagram photos in the Dominican Republic, I was actually trying to find my destination for after high school. Well, we got to Syracuse, I mean, I didn't know a ton about it. Like, like I said, I knew they had a, a good journalism school. I knew it was really in the middle of nowhere in central New York. Um And so we toured it. And I mean, it's a pretty cliched story, but I fell in love with it right away. And I actually had another tour uh scheduled for Ithaca College, which is another really good broadcasting school and nothing against Ithaca. No offense. David Muir, if you're listening to this, he's a, an Ithaca guy now on ABC, very, very famous. But I had a tour scheduled for Ithaca, and I said, Dad, just cancel it. Let's just hang out here for the rest of the day because Ithaca is about 45 minutes away from Syracuse. And I just wanted to tour Newhouse and just just chill at SU because I loved it so much. And so uh, the Newhouse School is is pretty selective. I honestly don't know how I got in. I actually met an advisor who was in admissions at the time who is a Vikings fan from Detroit originally, and I'm still convinced to this day that that's how I got into Syracuse (laughs) because I made the connection with him. We talked about Teddy Bridgewater, who was a Vikings quarterback at the time. But Newhouse has something like a 9% acceptance rate, and I'm not that good of a student. I don't, I don't know how I ended up getting in. must have really just lucked out with the interview and lucked out with the guy I met. But uh, it, was, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because that school is, I think, the best place for broadcasting.
0: When you were there, I talked with Chris Lewis, who was a Syracuse alum. Actually, mm-hmm. didn't get into Newhouse and just went for the business program and yeah. did the WAER stuff anyway. That's a And he talked story. about uh, really focusing on... On the on-air product and doing prep and not necessarily studying for tests and uh, uh, doing the stuff that leads to the GPA that mom and dad can be proud of back at home. (laughs) How did you balance, A, obviously being prepared to do a high-level student broadcast while keeping your grades up and having a social life? Yeah,
2: that's a tough juggling act to pull off. So I think you've got to set your priorities right off the bat that's kind of what me and my friends we all did and that's why I think our class was so great we had a deep class with some of my best friends in the world and who are all I think going to be really successful I mean if you look at that list of people who were in the top 20 and also honorable mentions there were 11 names from Syracuse and most of those are who I would consider some of my best friends but we all basically made the decision that yeah class is important and we're college students but have you ever seen that Cardale Jones tweet we ain't come here to play school the the old (laughs) Ohio State quarterback. That's kind of how we all felt. I mean, we're not athletes obviously, but it's a similar idea I think. If you want to go pro in a sport you're going to be focusing first on your sport and then on class second as almost like a cursory attachment to what you really want to do. So for us it was broadcast first and just kind of skate by in class. Now that's not to say that I didn't care about my classes or a lot of great professors at Syracuse. It's a really really good school. Um, But I think we, we all just made the decision to focus on broadcasting first and I think that was the right call, and honestly, like to be honest with you, Logan, I'll take you behind the curtain here for a second. The reason I'm in Minnesota all summer is I got to finish up some credits because this past <laughs> semester we were traveling so much, and I mean, we went to the Super Bowl in Atlanta on Radio Row. We were in North Carolina like five times because Syracuse plays in the ACC, so we were down there all the time doing a bunch of traveling, calling a bunch of games. So I wouldn't change anything I did. I mean, I'm fine making up a few credits here in the summer over at St. Thomas, which is a school here in Minnesota, because. I think the decisions were all correct because we want to be broadcasters, not students for a living, you know? So my mom probably doesn't want to hear that. My professors hated me in most classes, but I think that's the reality of it.
0: I would imagine most of them if they really know the business know that your that your actual sound is more important than, right. than
2: several people have said. They really don't look at your GPA once you're in the job market. They listen to your yeah. tapes. so Right. And that's what most of the broadcasting professors in Newhouse were really cool about that. So if I had to miss a class which is pretty unique for your major i mean if you're if you're missing a capstone class that's not good right i mean you 're supposed to be at every one of those and you 're supposed to drop a letter grade or something if you miss one class. But all the professors in Newhouse, because like you said, they understand understand how it works. So they were pretty cool about it. So they let me call these games, which was awesome. I just figured you were trying
0: to go to a place where the weather would be consistent from what you've grown up with. Yeah. yeah. W- which place has
2: worse weather, Syracuse or Minneapolis? That's an interesting question, Logan. Syracuse has worse snow. It snows more there. The weather is colder here. This is the only place I've ever heard of where they cancel school because kids are dying at bus stops. It's so cold. <laughs> uh, but so coldness, Minnesota takes it. Snow, Syracuse takes it. But I got to tell you, you get to Syracuse and you tell them you're from Minnesota and everyone's like, oh, so you're used to the weather. It's like, dude, you'd never get used to it. It (laughs) sucks everywhere. If it snows for six months, you don't get used to it. You just want to see the sun once in a while. That's it. (laughs) Have you gotten your call from Jim Nance yet? I know that uh, everybody gets their call. Have you gotten yours yet? Yeah, dude, it was so cool. (laughs) It was amazing. The crazy thing about it is You know, being at Syracuse, you meet all these really cool sportscasters who are in the industry and pretty famous, actually. Like one of my best friends is Noah Eagle, whose dad is obviously Ian, who's one of the best sportscasters of all time. Uh, And he, I think, just he's been on the podcast, right? He's he's (laughs) and he's an awesome guy, as as you know firsthand. So we know pretty famous sportscasters. Mike Tirico is a big ambassador for Syracuse. He's another guy who did the W A E R thing. So we know big time guys in the industry. But something about Jim Nance. Just had me starstruck it was weird i hadn't felt like that in a long time but i got a text from his assistant actually melissa and she said uh, are you free for a phone call with jim nance and i i was shaking in my boots i was so nervous to talk to jim nance and i don't know what about it was different maybe it's just because he's not a syracuse guy so we don't have that built-in connection maybe it's because he was on how i met your mother which is uh, pretty sweet some of my friends said you should ask him about that i said no everyone probably asked him about that um but Whatever it is about Jim Nance, the guy is just an icon. And so when he called me, it's funny. He called me from an unknown number, which I think he does every year because he doesn't want that to get out there. He's too big of a celebrity to give his phone number out. So he calls me from an unknown number, and it's exactly what you would, you would hope for, what you would dream about. He says, hey, Drew, Jim Nance. I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. And so he was so nice. He's so genuine. He's the exact same off the air as he is on the air. And we talked for like 10 minutes or so. It was great. Gave me a great idea for a Father's Day present. Um, His Vineyard Vines collection is now in Minnesota, so I might just get one of those for my dad. But he was such a nice guy. It was such a surreal experience, honestly.
0: Was it the same thing when you got the message that you were coming on the Say the Damn Score podcast is the question. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Exactly the same. I'm I'm sweating right now, Logan. I'm, I'm so nervous to be on the podcast with you. I actually remember, though, Katie said that she missed his call and he left a voicemail. Both of the last two, both uh, Katie and Nate, both missed the call because it was from an unknown number and they thought it was just a yeah. uh, telemarketer. They're both smarter than I am because I would pay like a hundred bucks just to have a voicemail from Jim Nance on my phone. Although Katie lost it because she got a new phone. That's what she was telling me earlier. So. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, that that's pretty cool. I wish I had recorded the phone call just to hear Jim Nance say, hey, Drew, Jim Nance, that's pretty sweet.
0: You guys went to the Super Bowl at Syracuse, and I believe it was the first time that that's ever happened, where WAER, if I read correctly and understand right, you broadcast the Super Bowl on student yeah. radio. Who started that process? How did that come about? Because so, that's, that's a pretty big
2: deal. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a process where the gears were turning Six months before the actual Super Bowl itself, so right around August, uh, my friend Jonah, who was also a top five guy in the Nance Award voting, he's a junior, so watch out for him next year as a potential winner of the award. Jonah, who's from Long Island, went to Syosset High School, saw his buddy Joe, who's from St. Bonaventure, went to the Super Bowl and did what we did this year. So he was on Radio Row, interviewed a bunch of former players and media members and famous people, and Jonah said, well, if St. Bonaventure can do that, Syracuse should be able to do it because we are, in theory, the top broadcasting school in the country. So Jonah went to one of our professors, Dennis Denninger, who worked at ESPN for about two and a half decades, and he's been to the Super Bowl a bunch of times, and said, "Can we get this process going?" Because DD actually teaches a class called Super Bowl in Society, which is awesome. I took it; highly recommend it um, for anyone at Syracuse. And so Dennis Denninger and Jonah Carp worked together to kind of make that happen. And so Jonah went to a couple of his buddies. I was lucky enough to be one of them. The other guy came with us was Jackson Agello, And I think he chose us just because we work at a bunch of different media outlets so we could represent a bunch of different places. Um, And so it was myself, Jackson, Jonah, and then Professor Denninger went down to Atlanta, stayed with these people uh, who were Syracuse alumni who were so, so nice. They live in Alpharetta, Georgia, which is a suburb about 45 minutes north of Atlanta. And we drove in every day to go to Radio Row. And it was as cool as you would expect talking with former players. I mean, there was one time where we looked up, and Warren Sapp was just walking by. We were on the air, and Jackson just goes, is that Warren Sapp who just walked by us? And I'm like, no, come on, don't be, don't be ridiculous. And I looked up, and sure enough, it was Warren Sapp, and that was just par for the course. I walked in on Thursday to Radio Row, and Herschel Walker was the first person I saw. So it was a ridiculous experiment, experience, and I was just lucky enough to be one of the guys who was part of it. Did you ask him uh, how his time with
0: the Vikings was and what he thought of that trade in <laughs>
2: hindsight? yeah I walked up to him and said screw you (laughs) you ruined our franchise for a little bit no he was on a different radio show so we didn't get a chance to talk to him
0: did you actually go to the
2: game itself or were you just on radio row we were just on radio row so we flew back to Syracuse on Saturday and I know that the St. Bonaventure guys Joe included who was kind of the guy who planted the seed for that entire process he stayed and he was on media row I think for the Super Bowl which is unbelievable but we were kind of thinking that if we do the Radio Row thing, represent Syracuse for a week, that would be plenty, and we'd fly back to Syracuse without trying to – because the credential process for the game and Radio Row is two separate things. So we just did Radio Row and then came back to Syracuse.
0: One of the reasons that I've heard that Syracuse is such a good place to for job placement and for winning Jim Nance Awards is just because the opportunities you get to put together a demo reel is – you know, it's D1, Syracuse, yeah. Big East games. They're, they're not in the Big East anymore. I just ACC, always think yeah. of them as the Big East <laughs> but uh, or and the Super Bowl. How many of those, I guess, how did you choose what you put on your reel to submit?
2: Yeah, so my goal was kind of to present myself as a versatile sportscaster who can do X, Y, and Z at a high level. And I was lucky enough to have some mentorship from this guy, Matt Park, who's the voice of the Orange has been for over a decade now. He's a Syracuse native and a Syracuse grad just one of many awesome mentors who I now consider friends from Syracuse, which I think is the best part about SU. It's the connections you make and the people you meet who kind of groom you, but also become close buddies. And so Matt Park is certainly a prime example of that. And so he gave me some good guidance with the Nance Award reel. Um, I decided to start with a montage of welcomes and then finish with a montage of closes just because I felt like that made narrative sense. And like I said, trying to present myself as a versatile guy. So within play-by-play, we did uh, six or seven different sports this year for ACC Network Extra. So I took an open from each different sport, and I was hoping that the people would notice that, all right, this guy looks like he knows what he's talking about with a litany of different sports, because I think that's one of the most admirable traits a play-by-play guy can have is being able to go from one sport to the next, making it seem seamless, which is something that Mike Tarico does extremely well. Ian Eagle is the same type of way. And then for the closes, it was the same type of idea. I had to include the live fit I did from the Super Bowl. I actually, when I was doing that, I was thinking, I better nail this because this is going in the Nance Reel if I do it right because uh, Matthew Slater, was a he played at UCLA. He's now the special teams captain for the Patriots, and he's just a really interesting guy. He played at UCLA when Syracuse's current coach, Dino Babers, uh, was on the staff, so I got to ask him about that. Uh, his dad, Jackie Slater, played for the Rams for 20 years. He's a Hall of Fame offensive tackle, so playing against his dad's old team, whos dad rooting for, that's an interesting angle. And then the coin toss thing because he's like a maestro with the coin toss. The dude's like a wizard because he always nails it. And so that was another interesting thing. So uh, Super Bowl life that I had to include, some radio play-by-play with Zion Williamson. Obviously, got to have Zion in there from an ACC tournament game that Syracuse played. Um, and then at the end, just a couple of quick hitters, just kind of, again, proving that I can do a bunch of different things at a high level. So, I mean, it, it took a while to put together, but obviously I think it, it turned out to be worth it. I had Nate Gatter
0: and Katie Emmer on after they had already received the award. We're having Red. you before yeah. you actually received your award in North Carolina at the NSMA
2: convention. Yeah. Have you written your speech yet? I, I have a few bullet points. Katie's speech was like less than two minutes. So I, I don't think I have a ton of time to ramble <laughs> on wax poetic before they play me off the stage. So I'll just... Head out a couple of thank yous. I've got something funny, hopefully, planned. Hopefully, people think it's it's good, but it'll be like two and a half minutes, three minutes tops. What do, what do I have to do to get you to hold a com <laughs> big sign? Why <laughs> You got a shirt I can wear, Logan? I Maybe a tattoo for my face? <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but I'm excited to turn the spotlight on my parents. They already know that I'm going to try to embarrass them because they've been doing that to me for now 22 years of my life. So I'm excited to try to do that to them. Now you'll find
0: that... Short and sweet, people will like it because those speeches for all the Hall of Famers go on forever. Yeah. And, and they're good, but there's, there's like six of them, and somebody talks to lead into them each time, and right. it goes for like an hour and a half.
2: Yeah, I, I don't need to be talking for a while because we've got Doc Emmerich talking. We've got Doris Burke talking, a bunch of Hall of Famers and award winners. So th- no one wants to hear from Drew Carter. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet.
0: One of the things that I really wish I had learned in college was the value of networking and just how to do it. That's a huge advantage of where you go. What are your philosophies when you go to a conference like that? What are your expectations? What are you going to be trying to do on a networking
2: level? I think it's just all about being genuine and trying to get to know people for themselves as opposed to what they can do for you, which is a pretty simple concept. And I think most people would agree with that. But like I said, the people I consider mentors, I also consider friends. I think that's the more important part. So. I think if you approach any interaction, and I used to do this when I was a freshman and sophomore at Syracuse because I didn't know what I was doing. I think if you approach those interactions as transactional, you're never gonna get anywhere in life. And it's actually funny, I am in a class right now called Communication in the Workplace. This is something to try to tie up the loose ends for college when I blew it in my classes this last semester. One of the things we, we learned was how to do like an elevator pitch, like a thirty or a sixty second pitch. And I raised my hand at the end of the class, I'm like I gotta be honest. I don't think this is realistic at all. If you really want to get a job, no one's gonna want to be talked at for sixty seconds. You're gonna want to have a conversation with someone. You're gonna want to get to know them. Um, so I've been lucky enough to do that not only with Syracuse alumni, but just through people in the industry. I think a, a great example is just the, the people you graduate with are gonna end up being your best connections and people who are your age too. Like there's this guy. Want to give a shout out to Andy Helwig, who was the voice of the Batavia Muckdogs this past summer when we were working in the New York Penn League together. It was just great to get to know a guy like that. You know, I'm not worried about what he's going to do for me in the future. It's just cool to be buddies with someone. And so I think that's, that's the important part is just focusing on people for who they are and not what they can do for you. So a couple of good examples this summer. I'm, I'm meeting with uh, someone who works for the twins, uh, next week and I'm hoping to just kind of get to know him as a dude and not for what potential job he could give me. So that's, I think that's the important part.
0: What's your Jim Bayheim story? Everybody who goes to Syracuse has one.
2: (sighs) Well, I have a few. So I'm, it's a podcast, de- we got all day. I'm trying to decide whether or not I should throw one of my friends out of the bus. You right definitely now. should. Okay, so I'm gonna. This person shall re- remain nameless. It's a classmate of mine. All right, so I'm not sure. Are you a big basketball fan, college basketball fan? I am. Do you fill out a bracket every year, Logan? I do. It's always awful. Yes, well, join the club. Did you pick Syracuse to beat Baylor in the first round this year? I don't remember. Okay, so I obviously remember. Everyone in Syracuse picked the Orange to beat the Bears in the first round, and we were so overconfident going into that game. We're thinking, ah, Baylor, here's a team who was picked to finish last in the Big 12. There's no way that Syracuse loses to them in the first round. And everyone always says Jim Bayheim's own great equalizer. So they always overperform in the tournament. So everyone thinks that Syracuse is going to beat Baylor. Long story short, Syracuse loses this game. And so Jim Bayheim, generally cantankerous, surly, not the nicest guy to the media. And I don't blame him. He's been doing this for more than 40 years. So he's heard the same questions thrown at him over and over again. And the thing with Syracuse, the good part about it being a great sports media school is you make these connections and you learn from the best. The bad part of it is from a guy like Jim Boeheim's perspective is he's not only got the local Syracuse media and the national media for the NCAA tournament, he's got these dumb students running around asking him questions all the time as well. So we go to the postgame press conference for Syracuse and Baylor. At the NCAA tournament, the way it works, we were in Salt Lake City, is the players come out. They take questions first with Jim Beheim sitting there. Then after the players' questions are done, they go back to the locker room. They get asked questions by reporters in the locker room, and then Jim Beheim takes questions after that. So Tyus Battle thought about going to the NBA draft after a sophomore year. He was projected to be a first-round pick. Ended up coming back at the 11th hour, pulled his name out of the draft pool, I think at like 11 o'clock, when midnight was the deadline. So most people thought he was leaving after this, his junior year. But if you know anything about Jim Beheim, you don't ask his players Right after they lose in the NCAA tournament, are you going to the NBA draft or are you staying in college? Do you have any idea? It's a reasonable question, but you just got to know the history. Ten years ago, Johnny Flynn of Timberwolves fame and actually infamy because he was so bad with the Wolves after being a, a top six draft pick. Johnny Flynn got asked that same question right after his team lost in the NCAA tournament. And Jim Boeheim doubled back to that reporter at the end of the press conference and said, anyone who would ask him that question is an idiot. Not a journalist, an absolute idiot. So if you go into a press conference and you ask Jim Beheim's player, what are they going to do in the NBA draft? You've got to know that you're going to get roasted. So one of my classmates, first question in the press conference after they lose in the NCAA tournament, asks Tyus Battle, do you know what you're doing after this game? And you can just see Jim Beheim over in the corner stewing. Tyus Battle was great. He's really cool with the media. He was gracious about it, said he didn't really know. He ended up going to the NBA draft. So well wishes to him. But Beheim, it wasn't his turn to answer any questions. You could see him just kind of foaming at the mouth on the side of this press conference. And at the end, my same classmate asked the last question, ironically enough, about Jim Beheim's son, Buddy Beheim, who played terribly in this game. So he's just asking for it at this point. He is asking to get roasted. Um and so Jim Beheim, instead of answering the question, he just goes, Where are you from again? And my buddy goes, I'm from Syracuse. And Jim goes, No, where are you from? And my friend goes, to Citrus TV, which is our student run TV station. And Bayheim goes, Oh, I should have known. I should have known that based on your first question. Terrible. Gets up, leaves the press conference, death stares this guy for at least 10 seconds. That's not the worst part. Of it. I mean, he looked around the room at the end. I looked like I had just seen a murder. It was, <laughs> it was, um, I mean, I was literally standing in the back of this room, Logan, with my jaw agape as if someone had just killed someone on the stage, which is basically what happened verbally. So Jim Bayheim leaves the press conference, goes to one of my friends in the hallway, and I'm not going to reveal what he said, but he said, tell Your classmate, something. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't want to spill the entire beans. But he ruined this guy. And so Jim Beheim does not mess around in press conferences. And you, you've got to do your homework for Beheim pressers. If you ask his players or they go into the draft, you are going to get crucified. And that's what happened. Do they give you any like pointers on things not to ask
0: leading into it, like in class? Saying you you need (laughs) to learn how to do a good interview. This guy is very, very uh, non not patient with bad yeah. questions, do they
2: say, hey, lay off this part, don't talk about this? The cardinal rule of being a Syracuse media member is don't ask Jim Beheim about man-to-man, because that's <laughs> happened like that's happened like 10 times during his career, which is now 40-plus years, like I said. If you ask him if he's going to switch to man-to-man, you're asking for it. So that's that's one rule, but it's really all about feel. I mean, honestly, that's a great lesson in being a media member is you've got to feel out your subjects. And so... A guy i mean it 's amazing to see other ACC coaches come to Syracuse, like Tony Bennett is a great example. Tony Bennett, the most gracious, kind guy, loves the media, always open for interviews, always open to any question he 's the opposite of Jim Beheim and so kind of learning what you can ask a guy like Tony Bennett and can not ask a guy like Jim Bayham is a really valuable lesson. So it's kind of adds to the Syracuse education, I think.
0: What are your future goals? You said you went in wanting to be a writer. You got into play-by-play. You did live hits from the Super Bowl. Do you want to be on the reporting side, the TV side, the radio side? What's your uh, perfect, perfect world solution?
2: Well, I'll give you the company line for what I want to do. When people ask me what the ultimate goal is, I say, fill a variety of on-air roles for either a network or a team or a college or some combination of the three. So I think the dream job is, well, my good friend at this point, Jason Bonetti, who started as a mentor, he's now the voice of the White Sox, and he does football and basketball on ESPN. So if you think about it, spring and summer, he's the voice of a team. And then fall and winter, he's a national guy doing different sports. And then there's a little overlap there. So that seems like an absolute dream job because – there's really nothing like following a team. I mean, I got the chance to do that uh, this past summer with a minor league team, the Auburn Doubledays, who are affiliated with the Washington Nationals, and traveling on the road and hanging out in the clubhouse sometimes, and you know, getting to know these people is a really special part of the job. So I don't want to lose that, but everyone's real goal is to go national. I think most people in the industry would agree that you want to be a national voice and a national face. So I would like to hopefully combine the two, but that's obviously a little unrealistic just coming out of school. So Right now, what I'm looking for is just anything, maybe with a a smaller network, maybe um, something regional like Big Ten Network, which would be good for where I'm from, or maybe with a team. I'm not going to do baseball this summer, maybe go back next summer, but there are a couple things on the table, a couple connections I'm kind of beating down the doors for, but right now, just kind of hanging out in Minnesota.
0: Growing up as a lifelong Minnesota sports fan, how did you not have the love of sports just
2: beaten out of you is, (laughs) is the real question. It's great, Logan, because I'm numb to fandom now. There were so many bad experiences of me being a Vikings fan and a Twins fan, obviously a Timberwolves fan. I don't really know what it feels like to hang in the balance on every pitch or every shot or every down. So I'm not really a fan of teams anymore. I mean, I'm wearing my Twins quarter zip right now, covering up a Timberwolves shirt underneath, so I'm, I'm obviously still repping Minnesota teams, but you know, I've I, kind of more neutral now. And I think that if I grew up in Boston, let's say, I would still be annoying. I don't know if we can say this word on your podcast, but you can edit it out. If not, I'd be a masshole, As people like to say, I'd be an annoying sports fan. But growing up in Minnesota, I think I'm, I appreciate the sports themselves, but I know when to kind of detach myself from being a fan. Did you have the Minnesota accent that you had to get rid of? <laughs> no. I, I don't hear it. So no, I just thanks. wondered if... I was fortunate. Yeah. My mom has developed that. I have lived in Minnesota almost my whole life, but my family moved around a ton before we came here. Um, but my mom has picked up the Minnesota accent, so I think w- there was a study a few years back that said Midwest accents are actually the most pleasing to the ear of any accent. I don't know how much truth there is to that. I always think that's more of the lower Midwest—Nebraska,
0: Iowa, Illinois—where uh, they don't have, where they don't carry. They really just don't sound distinct. They sound yeah. almost accentless. Right. At least from my point of view.
2: Yes. as the guy wearing a Nebraska shirt. Obviously. (laughs) No bias there.
0: It's interesting that I actually have had people from Minnesota when I was covering sports in South Dakota say, you sound like you have a southern drawl. And I'm like,
2: you've clearly never been to the south. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is true. But um, there have been a few people who think that everyone in Minnesota sounds like the characters from Fargo. I've never seen that movie, but I hate it. It's my least favorite movie ever because it gives us a bad reputation. Because Fargo's not even in Minnesota. As a guy from the Midwest, you know this. Fargo is in the Dakotas. But everyone thinks it's in Minnesota because the movie mostly takes place here, apparently. So I hate that movie, but luckily luckily, I don't have an accent. One of the questions about
0: Syracuse I've wanted to ask for a long time, I don't think I ever have, is it's obviously it's a, it's a very competitive environment yes. where there's a ton of people trying to trying to fight for the same thing. How do you maintain friendships when, I mean, there's a lot on the line with, with the competition going on between those friendships. And I know, I mean, I've talked to people off the air who have said that they have some people
2: there that, that they don't like anymore. How do you balance that? Maybe you haven't had to yet. It's really interesting, Logan. I mean, the people in the classes in front of us, sometimes you could see that competition border on animosity and, Our class sort of saw that and decided that was never going to be us, which is easier said than done. But, you know, I'm proud of the award and I'm proud of the stuff all of us have done at Syracuse on the air. But I think I speak for all of my friends. We've got a group of seven guys who are all in the same class and we've got a group chat and I consider them my best friends. I mean, if I were to get married tomorrow, they'd be my groomsmen. Um, I think what we're all most proud of is the fact that we never let that competition get in the way of being really good friends. So I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the right collection of personalities. Maybe it was the fact that we all kind of want to do different things. Like one of my buddies is now working as an intern producing at NFL Films. Uh, one of my friends wants to be a news producer for a living in local news. One of my buddies wants to be a talk show radio host. One of my friends who's in that group, Noah Eagle, I think wants to do kind of what his dad does, but also a little of the entertainment side. He's got a lot of different goals. And and one of my my buddies is a reporter from uh North Carolina who's now in Greensboro working as a local news guy. So... Everyone wants to do kind of different things, so I think that definitely helped. But we just sort of saw what the competition can do to a friend group and decided that that wasn't going to be us. And that sort of, I hope, has trickled down into the grades below us, and I think that's the legacy that we're most proud of, is proving that friendship comes first, and the competition is good, but it's got to be healthy. And we had a, a perfect balance. Like, Yeah, I competed with Noah all the time. I mean, we were... We called a bunch of games together, and I think we were kind of jockeying for positioning a lot of the time. He was a sports director at WAER. Uh, I got this Nance Award, which is really inconsequential in the long run. I think what really matters is the relationships. And so we pushed each other by seeing what the other person was doing and seeing how hard the other people were working. And it was all in a healthy way, and we're still really, really good friends to this day. So I'm really proud of that. So what prospects do you have for employment once you're finished with your last couple credits at St. Thomas? Right now, I'm a student. Uh that's my job. There are like I said a couple of network jobs where I've got connections that I'm hoping for. Um they're still kind of up in the air and they're still in the preliminary stages, but I think the beauty of this day and age is, you know, you get to a journalism school and you're going to hear a lot of horror stories. People are going to say like newspapers are dying, so that's bad. Local news is sort of dying, so there aren't going to be quite as many jobs, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think with The age of digital with something like the ACC Network launching at ESPN, it just seems like sports are booming in a way that they never really have because live sports are one of the only things that can be appointment television at this point because of DVR and online streaming and all that jazz. So I think there's really never never been a better time to enter the industry. So I don't really feel like it's necessary for me to go call games for a, a single A team like I did when I was a student in college or go to... Cedar Rapids, Iowa, for example. No offense to anyone who lives there, but do the local news thing because I just feel like it, it's more accessible these days, the industry. And so I, I feel like this, this will certainly help being on the Say, the Say the Damn Score podcast, definitely. And then winning the award going down to Winston-Salem, I think all these things will help kind of build a brand. And hopefully I can go network pretty soon here. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in the middle of nowhere. Because yeah, I've lived my, in Minnesota my whole life, so I know enough about that. So you don't want to stay in the Twin Cities metro? I, I love Minneapolis, man. I, I love the Twin Cities. I would love to work. Katie's doing that, and I think, um, I mean, if, if there were any way that FSN had another opening, I would love to join her there because that's a great spot. I grew up on Fox Sports North. But I also kind of like exploring. I mean, I love to go west coast. I've never lived out there. I've done the Midwest. I've done the Northeast. How about the south? Why not? I, I'd love to explore and kind of live all over the place.
0: What's your philosophy on social media? We're seeing a lot of people uh, get in trouble on it at times, or some people are thriving and making lots of money as influencers off of social media. You've you've probably been in the generation where you've grown mostly up with it in existence. I guess, what are your thoughts as far as using that as a professional tool?
2: Yeah, so I could talk all day about social media. I know this is a podcast, but I'll try to keep this relatively brief. I'll start with a negative aspect of it. Social media can be really bad, I think, especially in today's day and age where it seems like people care more about how they present themselves on social media more than they ever have, really. And I think that's only going to get worse. And so if you are going through something tough and you go on social media and you see the top 1% of someone's life, it's going to make you feel worse about yourself. I just think that's that's the nature of social media. And so going to college in that kind of bubble, like I already said, at Syracuse, and then Add on top of that social media with the whole Jim Nance Award thing and, and people kind of watching your every move, it's a lot of pressure. And so that, that's really hard. I, I mean, it makes it, it makes it kind of hard to go through college in, in 2019, I think. But the plus side of that is you can kind of get your work out there and you can sort of be your own agent in a way. You can meet people on social media. You know, you can just DM someone on Twitter and, and next thing you know, they're offering you a job. I think I've heard that happen a few times in the past. So I think social media is good and bad. There are definitely pros and cons. For me, though, my experience has been kind of interesting because a lot of people will make professional Twitters when they get to a journalism school, and they'll separate their personal and professional side. I never tried to do that, so I've taken some heat uh, from professors and mentors for my Twitter handle, which is Drudel25. Uh, Drudel is a nickname my sister gave me when I was younger, and I think it's, it's fun. It kind of adds a little personality to my Twitter, so I've kept it through thick and thin. And I can't tell you how many times I've been on the settings page with a new Twitter handle typed out, about to hit submit. And then I close the window. I say, no, I want to keep Trudel 25. That's who I am. So I, know, I don't know. It's been interesting for me, but I just cracked a thousand followers on Twitter. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. But social media, like I said, pros and cons, but I think mostly good for people who want to do what we do. Yeah. I just uh, got Instagram
0: probably about two or three weeks ago, and I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, the best way to use that because yeah. I'm similar to you in my Twitter thoughts is you know I have a little bit of personal stuff, but right. it's also my professional. It's just radio underscore Logan. Yeah. Follow me, <laughs> listeners, if you're not already. <laughs> but uh, it's it's just a weird deal because uh, I was kind of in the last generation where we grew up for a good chunk of our childhood without internet or social media. Right. So uh, it was it's been interesting to see that grow. Yeah, what do you view as your weaknesses that you still need to work on? Obviously you're extremely talented, you won the Jim Nance Award but
2: you're still young in the business what are you focusing on improving at? I think carrying myself like a professional is the number one thing I'm trying to work on right now and that's what I sort of learned a little bit about senior year at Syracuse is, and also through um, this past summer working with the Double Days. I actually have a funny story um, which kind of Proves that I was not ready for the professional world. So speaking of Jim Beheim, our manager with the Double Days this past summer, really nice guy, not super talkative. So doing interviews with him, it it sort of seemed like he didn't want to open up and like he didn't want to be there, which I don't think was the case. It was just his personality. He was more of a reserve type of guy. And so I took that the wrong way. It seemed like, like I said, he didn't want to be there. And so we were in State College for a series against the Spikes, And the whole the whole team was kind of, you know, enjoying themselves after a game. And I I ran into our manager and I sort of confronted him, which was not the right thing to do. And if I had been maybe smarter at that moment, I wouldn't have done that. And so that was a real learning experience. Kind of learn the hard way. You don't challenge your superiors. And even if you want to be kind of on level footing with the players and coaches you cover there's still got to be a line of respect there. And so if they don't want to do an interview, just find someone else that day. That, that's kind of the, the lesson I learned. And if, if they are not super great with media, it's okay. Just, just do your job and be nice and then move on to the next thing. And, I, and that's still one of my regrets from this past summer is I still think our manager doesn't like me a whole lot. So that's the kind of thing we're just learning how to be professional. One thing in baseball that the players and coaches say all the time is just have some feel. You know, Whether that's on the field or in the clubhouse, just have some feel respects like i said respect your superiors and just kind of be smart and that's kind of hard to do when you're a college kid working in a professional organization so that's kind of what i'm working on right now just carrying yourself like a professional not just on the air but more so off the air what did you specifically confront the the manager about uh it i think i might have just said like do you not like me or something and and that sort of spiraled and we just didn't really agree philosophically maybe on whatever it was but was it on like a a baseball decision or on like not doing interviews or it was here's the thing i i just had picked up a vibe from him that he didn't want to be around me and he didn't he didn't want me in the clubhouse which was which was wrong and that wasn't the case at all he just is a baseball guy through and through and he sees someone from the media in the clubhouse as more of an intruder than a a part of the team and i just wanted to be part of the team because it was my first year in professional baseball so it was totally on me i shouldn't have said anything it was completely my fault uh, but I won't get into the details of it too much, because, like I said, it was a mistake. I, I would I would rather put it in the past. But at the same time, it was it was kind of a learning experience, because, like I said, you got to be more professional than that. Well, that's what uh, college is for, right? Exactly. To, to make all those mistakes
0: when they aren't going to hurt you really badly. Who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to,
2: both on a local and a national basis? So I already mentioned Jason Minetti He's kind of the guy who he came to Syracuse because he's an SU grad. He came to Syracuse my freshman year um, and I ended up getting his contact info and he sort of helped me. He sort of steered me in the direction of doing play by play. I never thought that was really what I wanted to do, like I said, before I got to school. Um, and so he has been an amazing mentor and now really a friend because we've known each other for a few years here and he's just an awesome guy. But the thing about Jason is, I don't know if you've ever listened to him, but he is so smart. He's a genius, I think. And And he he takes his love of the English language and applies it to sports casting in a way that I think no one else really does. Like, he sent me one time this, this book called Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace, which is, reading it, like, you break a sweat reading it. It's so challenging on your mind because the vocabulary is just very unique. There's no one who really uses the language like David Foster Wallace did. And so Jason is just that type of guy. He just loves the English language and he obviously loves sports. And so listening to him do... Whether it's baseball or football or basketball, the way he interacts with his partners, too, it seems like he's best friends with every partner he works with right off the bat because he's just a great dude. So I really like listening to him. Ian Eagle, we already talked about his passion and love for the game, the way he measures his excitement. I mean, everyone knows when Ian Eagle goes, Oh, or that's a man's jam or that's a rack attack." Those are the highlights, obviously. But the way he unfolds a broadcast and allows it to build to those big-time moments, I think that's really admirable. On the local level, I really like Corey Provis, who's the Twins broadcaster, another Syracuse guy. Um, So I like him a little bit more for that reason, but he's just very professional. He he gives you exactly what you need. You're not asking any questions listening to a radio broadcast with Corey Provis. So those are three guys, but, I mean, the thing is, dude, like, when you're doing this for a living, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. You get to a point where watching sports isn't quite as fun as it used to be because you're kind of focusing on the broadcast and the graphics and what the play-by-play guy is saying and how they're interacting with the color analyst. So not a complaint by any means, but it's just a little bit different. You're kind of evaluating at every step of the way, as opposed to just taking in the game and digesting it for what it is. So it's a little different now. If you're
0: good friends with Noah Eagle, have you been to their house? Have you you visited
2: their home? (laughs) I have actually never been to the Eagle house. Most of my friends have because With Syracuse being in the ACC, they play a lot for lacrosse and basketball and football in the city area. And so the Eagles live, I want to say, like 45 minutes outside the city in New Jersey. So people have stayed there. I've never stayed there. I actually – there was some scheduling conflict where last summer when Syracuse lacrosse was in the tournament, we were going to take a trip down there during the week because the lacrosse tournament is every weekend. And so my buddy Tyler went down there, but something came up and I couldn't go. But I've always wanted to go to the Eagle Casa, because I'd love to see where I had Eagle... Apparently, he's got his office, where he goes in, basically locks himself in there, and writes out all his charts by hand, like this is 1950 or something. But it works for him, obviously.
0: I met him here before a Vikings game, actually, and he showed me. He does. Yeah. I held those in, and I looked at him, and I'm like, I probably have pictures of them somewhere. but yeah. I'm like, I'm never going to do them like this, but this is its <laughs>
2: interesting to see. In all seriousness, though, like... Ian Eagle is one of the best dudes on this planet. He is very, Mm -hmm. very nice, first and foremost. He's also hilarious. I mean, you're not going to go through a conversation with Ian without laughing. And his son is the same way. Like I said, Noah and I, we could have been very competitive at school, and I think we were in a healthy way, but Noah's just like his dad. I mean, he cares a lot about people. He's a very genuine dude. So I can't say enough things about that family because they are awesome. You haven't been
0: in the industry that long, but have you had any broadcast horror stories where you had a horrible vantage point or a crazy fan was throwing beer on you or I mean, you hit a deer on the way home from a broadcast, <laughs> and it could literally be anything. Just There's all sorts of these uh, stories of inconvenience and uh, that make you mortified at the time but are laughable later. Do you have any of those
2: yet? Yeah, there are quite a few. I mean, doing baseball three summers in a row, that is bound to happen, especially when you're in low-level minor leagues like I was this past summer. So Two things I remember off the top of my head this past summer, both of them when we were at home at Falcon Park in Auburn, New York, which is about 45 minutes west of Syracuse. One time, it was in the middle of the season, maybe late season, the doldrums of the summer, you know, it's just a slog at this point. And I had my crowd mic resting outside the press box, which was, I kid you not, three feet above the last row of bleachers. For whatever reason, this group of fans decided to sit in that last row. And this older woman decided to have a conversation basically with my crowd mic. They, I'm like, we, no one can see this office because this is a podcast, but I'm taking our coffees right now. They're probably this far apart, and m- the crowd mic is right in between them. And so they're having this conversation. Our broadcast is picking up every single word. <laughs> and so between pitches, I just stop talking, and you can hear uh, this woman saying, uh, "Did he take the garbage out? Did he take the garbage out today?" And here comes the two-two pitch. And so I was just so <laughs> exasperated at that point. You can hear me sigh loudly. I'll send you the audio. I've got it saved because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, so that's one of the horror stories. Another one is also with the crowd might being right on top of the bleachers, you pick up fans heckling the umpires. And so again, low-level minor leagues, the umpires aren't in the majors for a reason. No offense to the people in the New York Penn League, but sometimes you would get a guy who was off that day. And so we had a bad umpire at home one time and he was just hearing it left and right from our fans, but especially from one very vocal guy who was right in that top row of the bleachers where he loved to sit. And so between innings, I just walked out of the press box. I'm like, dude, first of all, you're right in front of our crowd, Mike, so please, please quiet down. Second of all, I work for the team. I want them to win too. Do you really think what you're doing is help them win tonight, help them get calls by calling the umpire all these names? And <laughs> I won't repeat anything they said, but that's another thing. It's just, you know, in that type of environment – you're going to have stuff like that happen, and just rolling with it is, I think, what makes people good at that level.
0: Have you ever been so close to the athletes where they have heard you talking or talking about them and said anything?
2: As in, like, literally physically close to them?
0: Yeah, or, or in just such an empty gym where they
2: can <laughs> just hear you. Yes, yeah. So that's – when we were doing volleyball uh, in the fall at Syracuse, we were right on top of the court to the point where – several times a stray volleyball would come over toward our broadcast table and we would have to be athletes for a few seconds just to make sure that our equipment didn't get broken on the spot. Um, So I'm pretty sure they could hear everything we were saying like in the heat of intense volleyball matches. So that was one time. But the thing that stands out to me is two summers ago, so after my sophomore year, I was on Cape Cod with the Chatham Anglers and there's one stadium in the Cape Cod Baseball League in Wareham, Massachusetts, which is actually off the Cape. It's in Mainland, Massachusetts, but they're in the Cape League. Don't tell anyone from Wareham I said that because it's really a sore spot for them <laughs> that they're not actually on the Cape. And this stadium, it's called uh, Spillane Field, I think, and the dirt in the infield is great. I don't even know what it is. I don't know how it's po- It looks like soot from a chimney as the <laughs> <laughs> the dirt on the infield. Uh, so this field is not great, first of all, but the visiting broadcast position it literally looks like a UFC cage on top of the visitor's dugout. So you've got to climb a ladder. You've got to do like your parkour skills just to get into your broadcast position. And then you're broadcasting the game from literally on top of the players so they can hear everything you're saying. And they also like to have a little bit of fun with the broadcasters because <laughs> these are college age guys on the Cape League. So they're college age broadcasters as well. So uh, you have to broadcast through a flurry of sunflower seeds being thrown at you from the dugout and then some of my <laughs> some of the guys on the team would make fun of me and my broadcast partner Max because they like to have a good time with it and there was a time where we would do a player interview before every game so there was one time where the players would interview me cuz it's just it's just fun I mean they they like to in the slog of a baseball season you got to mix it up at least a little bit so messing with the broadcasters is one way they did that in the last episode I was able to talk with Chris Lewis
0: and discovered that there is a basketball game played at the Carrier Dome between the radio station and the newspaper. Uh, this I, is a
2: sore spot. I don't, I don't want to talk about Oh, it. we have to talk about no, it now. No. Did you not play on it? I played. I'm embarrassed by how it went down. Did you lose? We've lost two years in a row, Logan, and it's, <laughs> it's bad. It's, we are, we're doing a bad name, a bad service for the radio station. Because we used to win every year. But now the newspaper, the Daily Orange, is on a two-year winning streak. And I feel bad about how I played because I played a little bit growing up. I'm 6'2 or 6'3, so I'm one of the taller guys on the floor. I should be one of the better players. And I thought I was going to be, but I played like garbage this year. I mean, I honestly think a better performance for me and we win that game. So I, I, I'm i still kicking myself over that. Well, I've just I, I thought more about it. I wish I would have talked to Chris more about it.
0: What is that game like? Is it good basketball? Is it horrible? Oh, no. Is it because generally most people who are in broadcasting are in it because either they're and mostly because they're ex-athletes who weren't good enough to make the team at some point right. and got into
2: to broadcasting. What is that game like? It's pretty much exactly what you would expect. <laughs> it's It's the people who aren't good enough to play who talk about it instead. But here's the deal. I actually think that Media Cup is what we call it. I think Media Cup this year was played at a pretty high level compared to where it's been in previous years. So two years ago, my junior year, I wasn't there. Noah wasn't there. Two of, theoretically, the best players on the team because Noah played in high school, and I've just got the height factor going for me. So we weren't there. We got spanked. We lost that game 44-21 to was the final score. We lose the game 44-21. to Obviously it was ugly. I wasn't there to see the game, but just the final score is an embarrassment to everyone involved with the radio station in the first place. This past year How you doing? Oh my god. <laughs> is that Katie Emmer's music? Are you serious? Congrats. Thank you. Did you set this up? <laughs> Maybe. No. no, no wow. No, 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 no. It's not set up. This is a total coincidence. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's why you moved I it to I 2 Logan. Like the so smooth, though. You're like yes. I a, I'm having a bit of an audio issue here, so I've got to pull out the I extra headset. I, I had really no idea. About, like, minutes, huh? <laughs> what is the advice you would give
0: to going and giving a speech at the uh, National Sports Media Association convention to young Drew here?
1: Firstly, Drew Carter, congratulations, well deserved. Thank I'm you. happy to keep the award in many, in the in the best place ever. <laughs> Might be a little biased, just a little but, bit. Um, yeah. Noah, you and Noah Eagle and Alexa, everyone, it was so much talent this year. It was really fun. To see, but you well deserved. You worked very hard for this moment, so I'm really excited for you. Thanks, kid. I'm happy to be here today and surprise you. Again, <laughs> was not planned. I just, I was planning to just get a good coffee at what, 3 o'clock? <laughs> yeah. 30 yeah. minutes away from my house in Eden Prairie. Um, anyway, advice <laughs> I would give. So I went into the weekend thinking this was, again, I was excited. I thought it was going to be more of a seminar, which it is. You're going to mm-hmm. meet a lot of cool people. Never been to Winston Salem. Thought it was going to be a way bigger city, and it is. But it's just a quiet city. Yes, it have is. Have you been? you probably. Uh, been.
2: Yeah, we actually. I missed a flight in Winston Salem because there were no Uber drivers.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, nothing is going, there's on nothing going on
2: there. Yeah, yeah. But
1: there will be something going on that weekend, and it's all about you know you and all about other people to celebrate. And advice wise for the speech, I don't even know what I did, but I have to say too. In this last year, I have started to do more public speaking engagements just mm-hmm. because it was so new to me. I mean, it's like. I don't know. It's way different than talking to a lens, which you yes. know a lot about. Like, yes. it's you're in front of physical people, and going up there in front of Kevin Harlan, in front of Olivia Harlan. Oh, now Decker. God. I mean, I've watched her. She was there supporting her dad, but um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You imagine I just,
2: them in their underwear,
1: or I ju- Kevin Harlan. Kind of, but just get up there and make sure you thank the parents. That's the most important yes. because yes. they are the ones that helped you get where you are. And mm-hmm. I had to do that, and then thank. Um, of course everyone else with the nsma and Mm -hmm. it's good because it's at the end of the kind of weekend that you're doing things so you've met a lot of people and you get to kind of get more i still got up there though i had never been i don't know i was so nervous (laughs) i i couldn't even i couldn't even describe it but it's you'll be just fine especially with you know given what you do at syracuse what you have done you're gonna be you're gonna be good my there. my
2: goal is to make my parents cry.
1: Just get up there and just be like, "Great moments are born from great opportunity." In <laughs> this year tonight.
2: How many times can I say again during this speech? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, that's going to be the yeah. just just do it. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: we're going to have a T-shirt for you that says "Say the damn score" on it underneath. It, and <laughs> yes. I expect it to and be worn proudly. Off. What doors has winning the Jim Nance Award w- opened for you that you could see potentially opening for him as well?
1: What I think the biggest thing about that award in that title is the v- instant validation. You yeah. can go somewhere and it's like you in- like just instantly have credibility that I never knew I could have before. And so that was a big step. I do believe it helped me. You know, I believe it got me at Fox. I believe it helped me um, because it gave me that validation that, hey, this girl is worthy of doing this. She could probably hop on it's going to be next to your name and it's going Mm. to be, you know, in 2019, the nation forever. And so that's, you know, something that is going to be fun for you. And it certainly will, again, just give you that instant validation. And it's, it's helped me in 2018, but it's going to help me forever Mm. because again, the, the community you have within it to everyone kind of like, Oh, I remember the 2016 winner. I remember this guy. And, um, even for me now it's a small world. Alex Faust, I watch him on, um, Fox Sports West doing the LA Kings games and it's yeah. pretty cool because they're within our regional network. Anyway, mm-hmm. you join a group, a legacy, you're gonna, it's gonna help you now and it's gonna help you forever. So
0: it's like a country club,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. You have your name etched in on the wall now.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. But we the trophy, by the way. Do I need to be doing like curls? I was I actually
1: pretty. I I thought I was just getting a little like little. Thing.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Um, <laughs> But it was it was a pretty I don't know Gosh you're putting me on the spot I don't know I'm the one asking you questions Drew
2: Right Right gosh. Sorry, My bad My bad It's
1: it's Back heavy but it's you'll be good It's you're gonna okay. be fine Okay You don't need to do curls
0: So <laughs> one more question for me before I kind of let you just take over the podcast Oh gosh Do not let me take so, over I talk oh, so
2: much <laughs> That's that's the idea of a Do you to get a
1: coffee by I was the way? gonna say it's good I haven't had coffee yeah. yet. It's been like one of those Sundays. You could get a
2: peach tea like Logan had over there. Yeah. Wow. So I I this Wow. It was $67 originally. Wow. Yeah. yeah there was a little uh, malfunction <laughs> with the cashier. Oh, it got changed. It's very fancy, though. I would've, we would have been doing this outside
0: if <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so yeah. it was $67. But, so he said when and we're going to embarrass him here probably but he said when he briefly met you at yeah. the Bears Vikings game that he was nervous and viewed no, you as a celebrity God. could you see I've that told, i've and told you could you, so. you see here that now, at the it's moment a Sunday, like
1: just this is my life i just yeah. run around i the biggest thing with drew and um, it just goes a long way it's anybody but this broadcast world is a family it's not about making more money or being more you know higher up than someone else getting better gigs it's a family we're all in the same struggle the money isn't awesome, you know, and we all feel nice. that at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's not awesome. You know, eventually, hopefully, you know, you can work harder, but having Drew come up to me like that, um, you walked away and meant like, you just made an instant impression on me. That was like, cause yes, I am like a year before you, but we're still sort of the same age. We're still mm-hmm. going through the same process. And so I was like, that means a lot for someone to just, you're eager. I could tell you want to <laughs> get better. And that's what this is all about. Like we need more friends in this industry and in the long run, I mean, what if I'm here one day and you need help getting an interview and I have the connection with that team? Like you could always make these connections and you need more friends in the business. So Drew is certainly one of those and I'm really happy you got it. Oh. <laughs> so And he's from Mini, so I guess that gave me a, a better that's yeah. what he said right away. It was like hi, um I'm from I'm from Minnesota. Okay. And it I was really It was really loud. That, that, yeah. No, you weren't that no I just remember <laughs> it was really loud in there and I was working, I was free, I was running for Fox, so it was just like I think a quick thing. We got yeah, but uh-huh. it was a fun day
2: honestly though i was nervous and i remember you had a friend there was
1: it because i was i was working with aaron andrews five no. feet away from me i, I
2: was more that nervous was like to meet you than aaron andrews oh My God, come on i was so starstruck and your friend was there
1: that wasn't my friend
2: whoever that was so that
1: was actually the vikings um one of their she's great her name's katie too but she was yeah. us uh, we were both helping aaron andrews so it was a fun day but okay. you came up and i was like oh cool i have right. friends yeah but i know people here anyway
2: i get it katie introduces me to other katie yeah. I immediately forgot. I'm like, okay, great, Kate, Katie and other, Katie. Kate, yeah, yeah, real Katie, the Katie I want to talk to. Tell me yep. everything, yeah. So, no, I made cool an moment.
1: instant impression, though. You'll go far. It's it's about yes, talking to a camera, but it's also about being personable. Yeah, and you're a good person, so thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, what other questions do you this have for him? You're, you're taking over now.
1: Um, I don't know. On my frantic drive over here, since I was running behind, I was trying to think of things that I, you know, wanted. I think I still would be learning from you and from people. I always will be learning no matter what. Um, and I kind of, so my first question to you, because I love hearing it from different people, student athletes have a big job. They have to ha- have their grades up. They also have to perform on the court. Like, yes, it, or they ice or whatever they're going to be mm-hmm. for you individually. Cause it is a job that no one understands. Yes. We're not training at six in the morning and putting our bodies through all of this stress, but we're also preparing mm-hmm. and it, you are essentially a student athlete broadcaster type thing. Yeah. So I yeah. want to know like how your schedule was, especially this last year and maybe in the last Few years at Syracuse and how you were able to get better and how much work that was.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We were actually talking about this earlier, Logan and me. I kind of viewed me and all my buddies were the he, same. He's, way. he's taking more credits right now. Yeah, that should answer the question. We've had this discussion. <laughs> oh.
1: oh yeah, I Yikes. called him. We did talk Yikes. about this actually, but I still, yeah. it's it's a big job when you're keeping right. up with. You yeah, said you covered really rowing. I mean, tell yeah. me about how you kind of just kept up with everything. Right.
2: So we viewed school as more of a necessary evil,
1: Carter? <laughs> yeah.
2: And so, listen, I mean, I, I walked onto campus at SU, crushed it my first year. Dean's list, first two semesters. Right. My, my freshman year, I was a great student. And that just spiraled out of control throughout Drill, my college Drill, career. Drill. The more broadcasting I did, the less schoolwork I did. Ready? So where does, listen, we were just trying to skate by. the so sacrifices
1: you make. Exactly. Yeah? Right. And
2: I, I think it, it ended up being the right decision, but I didn't fail a class Until my senior year. Yeah. Because we were just traveling so much and calling so many games. But, like, I think that's the right decision because we don't want to be students for a living. We want to be broadcasters. That's what I said to Logan earlier. So, I think that's the right decision.
1: I think I I ask you because I think I've heard so many people, I want to do this for a career. I want to do, they're not doing anything in school. Maybe you do a couple things, but. You're, I mean, you're saying it right here. It is a true sacrifice. You have to yeah. choose one. I mean, you could keep up with both, but right. you really gave your all.
2: Yeah, we like we went to Atlanta for a week to be on Radio Row. My professors oh, right. are like, "Are you sure you want to be doing that?" I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't know. Do I want to go to the Super Bowl and talk to Warren Sapp
1: for an interview? I don't know. I don't know." That's awesome. But yeah, most um, of them were cool about it, though. Yeah, no, it's it's a true sacrifice. I I. I think I, last year at the same spot we were talking about the same thing. I finished school the same way he did. I <laughs> I just had to get through. I wanted to do broadcast, but I was just so eager to get into the <sighs> the industry right away. Didn't yeah. take any days off in here am. A little bit. But anyway, um what's your favorite color? No, I'm kidding. Orange. <laughs> Orange okay, or okay. Not.
2: Yeah. That's um, the right answer.
1: Other what was your most challenging sport to cover at Syracuse? Because I only had a few that I was able to do in school, but Syracuse right. is way bigger.
2: Yeah, so we did seven sports this year. Huh. I honestly can't even remember all of them, but I think field hockey. Ooh. Did you guys, here you go. Did you guys know that in field hockey, you're not allowed to touch the ball with the backside of your stick? A backhand is illegal. I mean, I that didn't doesn't make any that. sense. To yeah. be fair, the...
0: The only thing I know about field hockey is that it's on a field with a stick. But yeah, it's I haven't.
1: That's more of a east. Maybe my cousins in California had that, but we never. Okay, Minnesota. I never grew up seeing that. Right, exactly.
2: There are. I had no idea what the rules were of this sport. So one, you can't backhand. Two, if you take a shot from too far away and you score, it doesn't count. How much sense does (laughs) that make? It's like an anti three pointer. Like it doesn't even count if you shoot from like twenty five feet away or whatever. Weird yeah it it's just a very strange sport for me, and the sticks are like two feet long, so these poor women are just bending over of like the entire <laughs> game. It sounds awful, honestly, but field hockey was probably the toughest. rowing was sort of hard, but we I mean we figured it out. yeah I showed up to that broadcast with like a cheat sheet of rowing terminology, so it was okay. But it's fun to do different sports. I like it. Yeah.
1: How about like your prep wise? I mean, you're prepping so much, but it, you don't really get it until you can like do it right. in a live game. And yeah, learn.
2: you got to like immerse yourself in it for sure. Right. So when we were doing volleyball, actually, I sent uh, like a stretch of the match. I think it's called a match. I don't even remember at this point. I think <laughs> it's a match. Yes, I sent a stretch. You're of the
1: asking We're like, I yeah. All
2: right, I sent a stretch to you. Seem right. Someone who critiques me and. The first thing he said was, How well do you know the rules of this sport? I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> that's not a good start. <laughs> so I think the first thing you got to do is like literally just Google the rule book because yeah. the NCAA is pretty good about putting their rules online for free. So you just read through that and then you got to like watch a little bit of it just to like understand how people talk about the sport. So I think it's rules, terminology, and then like players and teams and coaches yep. and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then get the nitty gritty stories. Right, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, that's a. <laughs> We didn't. nope, I didn't have that many sports to cover. <laughs> I didn't have that many options.
0: Here's what I bought this year before I did. <laughs> nice. uh, but but I dummies. did lacrosse for the first Good time. Nice. Lacrosse yeah. for dummies. right? cover to cover.
1: Good Very stuff. cool.
0: Very cool. What is the farthest out of your comfort zone you've been pushed in a broadcast situation? Great. Katie, do you want to lead? No, us off?
1: this is all about Drew Carter.
2: Uh, both of you.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no.
2: Uh, I would say. Probably interviewing that manager who didn't like me. That was very uncomfortable. Wow. It's very it's it's hard when someone clearly doesn't want to be there. You know, like have you ever yeah. dealt with that with uh, a coach? I yes, all yeah. the time.
1: Especially like losing interviews. Oh my god. I mean, it's part of the job, but it's also like you know they do not want to talk to you. Right. Like oh you're penalty kill went oh for 12 tonight like (laughs) tell me about that you know no one I totally feel you on that right
2: (laughs) so just yeah doing interviews and going to school where Jim Boeheim is the head coach yeah that's my life for all of basketball season so I I probably asked him like two questions in four years of covering that team because it's just not worth it like the upside does not outweigh the downside so um that's probably a pretty awkward situation but Also, like interviewing him one on one, I got to do that for our student TV station. It was like he wasn't even there. He was in his own. So luckily, he didn't like roast me for anything. (laughs) But that was a pretty awkward interaction.
1: But you have to deal with those like difficult situations. I'm still going. You're always going to have them. So it's just how you can yeah just make it look Jim Nance-ish and just. Composed and
2: how are the race car drivers in Sonoma? Oh my
1: gosh, no, we cannot get into this. Come on. Yes, I did cover a um, yeah. racing event last weekend. So he's talking about all these interviews. Like, sure, I had people that did probably want to talk to me for hours about their car yeah. at the same time. It's it was like a competitive sort of weekend, but it was more so just like a antique. There was a car that was $65 million. It was just like an excuse for these guys to take him out and drive them around. Super cool to see, but it was also like kind of like lighthearted, but also, Oh, go talk to, okay. And then go over here and then talk to this engineer and this mechanic. And you just have to like, yeah. So tell me. So it was uh, fun, but again, you're always going to be learning. I, I certainly will always be learning and you just got to think on your toes and act like you've been there. Like totally. I know everything about this. Right.
0: That's what it's all about. But I feel like I would have just dropped Ricky Bobby lines all day. (laughs) Did you sneak any in Katie?
1: No. No, okay, negative. Time. Time. But it was a lot of like, hey, there's a kitty, are you ready? Okay, and can, we're going to a kitty on the track. Uh, <laughs> yes. The cars are going fast, and um, and it's not raining. So the sun's out. Back to you. Dude, <laughs> that like, happened to us
2: on the rowing What am broadcast. I going to talk about? We straight up, so we had like a play by play guy on the boat and his mic cut out at oh, like the goodness. most intense part of the race. Oh, and so no. our producer's like, okay, here it he goes, here it he goes, and go Drew. <laughs> Like, whoa, a little heads up would have been nice if we had any idea that I was going to be, like, doing play-by-play of rowing, which I know nothing about.
1: I feel like I'm getting carried away easy. I have one actually funny story. Love him to death. Ben Clymer, he's my uh, analyst. He lives out here, too. He's the best. This season, you go through producers, right? So he's, like, on the color. He's talking about the hockey game, the gopher game. Mm -hmm. And I was on the bench. I didn't have a headset on. I had a stick mic, and it was laying down. I'm just taking notes, like, watching, you know keeping up, figuring out what my next interview is going to be. There was a timeout. Coach Matska was very upset, what have you. And, yep. um, yeah, Climber just goes in. Yeah, I wonder what – Matska's probably got a couple good words. Katie, what do we got down there? He sent it to me on hot air. The producer didn't even understand what I – and he just sent it to me, and I was like, where's my mic? Where's my – hi. Yes. Um, uh, it just came up with, like, oh, you know, it's it's a very – Very stressful situation down here on the bench, but they're figuring it out. It's just, that's TV, right? It's TV, and that's just the best part about college, too. You can have more of those situations, but um, you're always going to have them. It's pretty exciting.
2: Another very awkward, here, just (laughs) real quick, another very awkward No, you have all the time. So I work for a minor league hockey team in Syracuse, the Crunch, affiliated with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we had this player, I'm just going to throw him under the bus (laughs) because he was so mean in this situation. His name's Jamie McBain. Who okay. was a defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes back in like the good old days when they won the cup and like still thinks he's almost dead again. Stuff. Right. I'm exactly. Kidding. Maybe. Nearly. Close. Nearly. Um, and so anyway, he's with a crunch this past year. And we have never had a player do this. The interns go down and grab a player after every period, just talk to them for like two minutes for the radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. A player has never stiffed us before. So it happens to my buddy, who's actually from Carolina and loves Jamie McBain because he like grew up with him on the hurricanes. So my poor Southern friend is, like, coming back to the box, like, almost in tears because Jamie McBain told him no. And I'm like, screw this guy. I got him. Next period. (laughs) I go down, and I have all my questions ready for Jamie McBain. And I'm like, hey, man, you got a minute for an interview? He's like, nope, no time. Walks right by me. Just breezes by. (laughs) I'm like, dude, you're in the AHL. Come on with that. (laughs) Like, you might have been in the NHL one day, but... That's ridiculous. And so you have to think on your toes because you got to think of hard. an entirely new interview for a, a completely different player. So
1: Right. I had this that situation this uh, this season. I didn't have my phone on me, and I didn't have a receiver. So I, my IFB wasn't connected anywhere, essentially. And I thought I had this number 14 kid from Eden Prairie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were playing, I can't even remember, Notre Dame or something. And I get up to him, and I always do the, Katie, nice to meet you. Just got a couple questions, and his name was supposed to be Jake. And he's like, yeah, oh, Dylan. No. I was like, who are you? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they're like, Katie, are you ready? We're about to send you for an interview and it was yeah, I totally have been oh, there. Boy. You know? You just
2: Yeah, you gotta keep it's it TV, general when that happens. Right?
0: Like, how's the ice out so there? So hockey. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 Say nothing if you're having a good time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh gotta love it. No, that's good. Um what would be your this is the fun question you always get to, I mean, okay. after you're almost graduating, but what would be your like ideal starting job?
2: I had a feeling that was coming. Right. Uh, I don't know if it
1: already, if it already happened. <laughs> we'll
2: delete the other ones.
1: Or have a better answer. Well, kidding.
2: like I told Logan, this is what I tell to everyone. My ultimate goal is to do a bunch of different on-air things for either a network or yep. a team or maybe both yep. if I'm lucky enough. So for a starting job, like If I could avoid it, I'd rather not go to the middle of nowhere. I would hope to start. I mean, like what you're doing is great. Like you're in the cities right now. That's awesome. Working for some pretty big time teams already. If I could go to a network or not even like, obviously not national, but like something regional like FSN or maybe like ACC network, which I worked for at Syracuse. That would be the goal to start yeah but I also I'm trying to keep my expectations in check so like yeah. if I have to do minor league baseball again like that that is what it is I'll just go back next. Anything summer. is reps right? right exactly you know, wherever exactly. you are. Okay. Yeah, and just something to pay the bills, you know, yeah. something to,
1: to. It's a hard reality that you have to start adjusting to. and like, oh, I'm right. an adult now. This I isn't know. for fun in college.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I just turned 22 actually a couple days ago, and it's wow, weird. it's weird. Every birthday after you're the young. big two one is so lame.
1: <laughs> so you're a, so you're a senior, and you just turned 22. Yeah. Wow. I thought I was. I turned 24 <laughs> this July 6th, but I. I was 22 at this time last year, but I'm about to turn 23. Good for okay. you. Hey, thank you. Good for you. That's exciting. You. Wait, okay. So the best question: <laughs> Has the Jim Nance called you yet? Yes.
2: <laughs> yes, dude. Tell
1: me. So cool. Everything. So How great cool. is he?
2: He is. He's so nice. He's so genuine. Yeah. I honestly felt like I was watching a golf tournament yeah. as he was speaking to me through the phone. <laughs> so first of all, he called me from the unknown Drew number. Drew Carter,
1: Jim Nance. <laughs> yeah. I can't even. His it's, voice. It's ridiculous. You stop it's, every. You stop breathing. You're like, right. Breathe.
2: Breathe. right and I, I was like so starstruck which doesn't usually happen unless yeah. i'm talking to katie emmer oh, in December a at a <laughs> i was so starstruck by jim nance it's like an angel is speaking to you yeah. through the phone so he did the classic jim nance move which is the unknown number or to
1: hear him say your name yeah how crazy i should
2: have been recording it <laughs> yeah. i honestly should have set up like a mixing board like this with my phone plugged <laughs> in because it was it was so sweet but he was so nice we just had like a nice little casual conversation he yeah. Told me about how his Vineyard Vines clothing line is now at Minneapolis Golf Club, which my dad belongs to, and so maybe a little Father's Day present idea there thrown in. Um, we but talked. You guys just boys being dudes. Yeah, huh? yeah. We might as well have been like cracking a beer on the golf course. It was <laughs> great. He was he was so nice. That's
1: good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll have to see him soon too as well.
2: I hope so. Right? I really hope. And I hope he does like the video message that he records. Oh yeah. Hey,
1: be on your toes. <sighs> That was totally unexpected. We talk about the speech, but like after, I'm so nervous, and they're like, "Okay, now we have a short message for you." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and Holly Rowe, Jessica Mendoza, Mendoza, Beth Mowins. I was like, "What?" Yeah, that's pretty sick. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's but yeah, cool. you'll have it. It'll be you're worth celebrating for. They do a very good job out there, yes. so take it all in, and you're you're royalty for the week <laughs> and forever. I mean, again, it's instant validation. You'll always have yeah. so sometimes I'm, I'm like stop it was so 2018 don't bring it up anymore <laughs> but again it'll just it'll always kind of be living on so right, right. enjoy it but Maybe yeah
2: next year i can surprise the winner at caribou coffee yeah you know, if <laughs> if we can get another Years twin, twin cities person yeah. it's a mini. unless yeah. you want to go on the road
1: <laughs> he texted <laughs> yeah. me i was like yeah oh, let me see i got a nothing What's going not? on <laughs> this is actually the one weekend like the last few have been pretty busy but um yeah so i was really happy to be able to make it out our twins are doing well i think they're still up right now dude
2: they were putting it on the tigers <laughs> earlier today i actually felt bad for them. Oh, so Cruz i had like a 435 it
1: was a nine to final. one less oh 12-2 final score well nice. top of nine 12-2 anyway we are,
2: logan we were so good are you a twins fan casual
1: yeah Go.
0: i would i grew up a mariners fan but really, okay. it was just a Ken Griffey They're Jr. At van. They're Target
1: Field on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just yeah, haven't not been a able big to. deal. <laughs> my my dad's thing is he wants to play Augusta, so I'm okay. thinking maybe with the
1: Nance thing. <laughs>
2: I don't know if I can push my luck because, like, I just met the guy over the phone, so I don't know. So That's-
1: I I hate to I'm I'm okay. The, the final championship game for March Madness won't be in Minneapolis for a while, so I'm really right. sorry. But this is like, this is what I mean with Jim Just expect anything. You never know. Oh my God. I was sitting at my desk, uh, before the championship game for basketball this past w- yeah. March already. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it was just like another day and his assistant called me, the one that you probably worked with to talk to. Yeah. She's great. She's just like, <laughs> Katie, hi. Um, are you busy tonight? And I kind of was like, um, y- consider it all canceled. <laughs> yeah, I'm not busy right. anymore. Like what's going on? And Jim Nance is in the back room. He's like, you got to come. Like they got me tickets, me and my mom to the championship game. Oh my God. Yeah, And it was the coolest sports experience out of, I love hockey, everything, but that environment was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I
0: was there as a runner for Westwood one. Okay. So, so right. I was way up above, right? But, uh,
1: but an anywhere you too. were, I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. There's so many people for the smallest little court at US Bank. <laughs> it was but it was a super it cool was... thing to be like, to see and like to have him like he is an incredible person. Yeah, and that's the best part about you see people on air and you're just like idolizing them. But once you meet them off air and they're so much cool, it's like it's an incredible. Yeah.
2: I feel like it's not a coincidence because most of the people you meet who are famous in the industry.
1: Pretty nice. I mean, I don't know, what that, know. I don't know what that face no, means, you never but
2: know. I, most of the people I've met have been very nice. Right. And I think it's like, like I said, not a coincidence because unless you're a genuine, personable person, right. you're not going to make it far in the industry unless yeah. you have like some ridiculous talent. Yeah. You know, and most of those people are crazy talented and crazy nice people. Yeah. Like Jim Nance, which is why he's so successful.
0: This has been the Say the Damn Score podcast with Drew Carter, the Jim Nance Award from. Syracuse and also Katie Emmer just happened to be having coffee in the neighborhood <laughs> right, dropped in and uh, thank you both for coming on.
1: No, thank you, Logan. Thank you Drew, for keeping this award in Minnesota yes. and continue to do great things. And thanks for having me. I'm going to go get some coffee.
0: Thank All you. right. You've earned it. <laughs> thanks for listening to the say the damn score podcast. Remember to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice by clicking the big red subscribe button at the top of say also, please follow me on the social media outlet of your choice, radio underscore logan on Twitter, say the damn score on Instagram, and you can also look up the Say the Damn Score Facebook page and follow the podcast there. Any honest feedback, whether that's podcast reviews, emails, or anything else, is very much appreciated. It helps make the show better. And finally, please reach out to the guests of the show so they know you appreciate them sharing their stories on the pod. As always, I'm Logan Anderson, and the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.